Well, take out your Bibles, if you would, and join me in Matthew chapter 28, and we're looking at uh, the process of the church. We're just beginning on a new journey as a church, and we're focusing, we're narrowing our focus and really looking at uh, our, our job, our, our purpose as a church. And are we, are we going to be doing that, or are we going to be doing other things? And that will depend on what we see from God's Word. So let me just say this, church, as we get started. Everything we do comes from the mandates and the instruction that comes from the Word of God. That has to be the authority that directs us where to go as a church, what to do, and how to be. So it's just so exciting. I hope you're excited about that. I, I got so I was preparing for a very difficult thing this weekend, a, a funeral that we did, and, and I happened to be in the Word a lot, and I saw something that was so incredibly exciting out of Psalm 22. I don't have time to share it with you. I really wish I could right now, but it's just something that God showed me. And I was so excited that the, the revelation, the insight, and, and what it meant for me and, and to share that with other people. God's Word is always full of exciting and relevant help for us, instruction. And that's, that's how I want to invite you to come to this topic this morning. What is it that the church is supposed to do? Let's begin here. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. That's the purpose of the church. I say, I thought the church was supposed to worship God. I thought the church was supposed to like provide ministry for people and, and fellowship and, and opportunities for for. for you know, gathering, and all those are a very real part of what church is, you understand, but all that falls under the primary purpose of making disciples. We get that from what Jesus says, Matthew 28, verse 18, he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, we looked at this over and over again, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, he says, therefore, since authority's been given to me, I'm now telling you, my followers, my disciples, the church, go and make disciples. Now I'm going to invite you, because it's so important, to participate a little bit this morning. Are you ready? You're going to have to use your voices. Maybe we'll even have a little competition out of it here. I want you to repeat after me in saying, this is what we're going to say, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. Okay, can you say that with me? One, two, three. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. That's right. Now I'm going to say the church goes out to provide lots of programs to feed the poor. And you're going to say the purpose of the church is to make disciples. Oh, the church is to build a great big youth program to get kids off the street. And you say, no, the church is to make disciples. The church is for me, that when I come, I would get to know people and enjoy being encouraged by other people. No, the church is That's pretty good. This group right here was really solid. It's probably because Jim's a loud mouth, but I don't know. It might have been it's the Dennis the Menace over here. Uh-oh. Cat's out of the bag, Jim. Hey, you know what? This can be exciting, by the way. For you as a disciple, to be made disciples is exciting. It's good. It brings benefit to your life. There's actually a better life for the disciple who follows Jesus Christ. 
It's better by far. And so it's exciting for you as a person, as an individual, to be growing as a disciple. But it's also exciting for the church because as a church, we get to be part of that process where God makes disciples out of people we know. People who are not disciples becoming disciples. People who did not have hope and did not have their lives filled with meaning and peace and joy, now experiencing the peace and the joy and the meaning that comes from living for God and following him with your life. That's exciting, folks. There's nothing more exciting on the planet. I guarantee you, you try to think of something more exciting, and I'll argue with you until the day we die, that's not as exciting as watching God make disciples. Change their life for eternity and bring what only he can do in their lives. That's the wonderful part of what we get to do. And so as a church, we have this process. Introduced it to you a couple weeks ago. The process, we're calling it Grace, Grow, Go. This is the mission of our church. This is what's going to drive all that we do in our church. Right? And it's a process because it reaches somebody with grace, the gospel. And as they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now they're a disciple. Now they grow, learning to change, to be transformed, to be more like Jesus, to be filled with the fruit that comes from the Spirit of God working in your life. That's a process, isn't it? We grow, and we're all hopefully in that process somewhere. And as we grow as disciples, we're also learning that Jesus spoke to the disciples who were growing and telling them to go. And it's all of our privilege, our duty, our joy, to be part of the going to make more disciples. Okay, so that's what we're going through. We're starting today with grace. But remember that this whole process, there's a couple things. We're just going to say this over and over again. It's a little bit like repetition, repetition until we all get it, right? A couple things about the process. It's central. That means it's central to everything we do. Everything we do comes out of this process. It's not an addendum. We don't try to add it later after something else. It's the purpose of the church, to make disciples. This process is central. It's sequential. There's an order. Like, you, you meet Jesus Christ and experience his grace before you grow as a disciple. You begin growing as a disciple before you're able to go and be used of God to make more disciples, right? So there's that process. It has a sequence to it. And we want to lead people through that sequence, that they would experience grace and begin to grow, and then they would go, right? So that's the sequential part of it. But it's also cyclical, and that means once we are introduced to grace, we never leave it. Grace is part of the growing. And then as we live with grace and part of the growing, it's part of the growing that enables us to go. And we go and make other disciples. And so it's this cycle. And by the way, tell you, that's pretty slick, Pastor. That's, that's pretty neat. I, I just want you to know I didn't come up with that. I'm not that clever. <laughs> you say, yeah, we know that about you by now. You're not that clever. That's what Jesus said for us to do. That's how he grows the kingdom of God. Right there, through that process. So, so we do that together. And we're looking at the first one. Uh, Pastor Ben preached on it last Sunday about grace. And he cheated. He, he cheated. He brought some tri-tip in the room. And that's just not fair. <laughs> that, how am I going to compare with that? I know some of you out there are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's going to follow up with the tri-tip? What, what do you got for us now? Right? Well, the whole picture was that our lives, the way we live and who we are, should be seasoned with grace. It's grace that seasons us to be an aroma that attracts people to God. 
his grace through us, right? That was the introduction to grace. I want to talk about it a little more specifically today and nail it down for what does that mean for each one of us. So here's how it works, this grace part of the process. I'm going to turn to Ephesians 5, a few passages this morning. If you want to turn along and follow with me, that's great. If not, you, you can look up them up later maybe and just, just listen, whatever's helpful for you. But Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are you, in verse 11, when they revile and persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. It's telling them it's not going to be easy. But remember this, when you face life, it's verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? So that's a little bit like the process that Ben was talking about last week. Our life is seasoning. That, that, that brings, think about what salt seasoning does. Maybe the tri-tip aroma from last week in your mind. It brings an added element that wasn't there before. You, you season something to give it an added taste, an added flavor, an added preserving effect they use salt for. So it had all kinds of benefits. It was an additive. He said, that's what you are to the people in your life, to the community, to your neighborhoods, to the schools where your kids go, right? To, to the people we know and run into and, and, and rub shoulders with in life. We're supposed to be that seasoning. And his point is, if you're not Living in grace, if you're not filled with the fruit of the Spirit of God, if, if you're not loving people, watch this church, with God's love, not your own love, not the world's way, if you're not doing something from God in your life that gives to others, you've lost your saltiness. And that influence that you have is no good, it's worthless, he said. That's not the idea. The idea is that you would take what God has given you, what God is doing in your life, and that you would spread that and influence people with that, draw them to Christ. So it begins with your own personal touch. I can grab this by the letters now. You'll be happy to know. I think we're going to, oh dang. This thing is going to be the death of me. All right. This, this grace comes off, you see. There we go. Whoa. All right. And it's been reinforced so I can play with it now. Grace begins, what does this whole process look like? With you. Your own personal touch to people in life. Turn to Luke chapter 4. I want to show you what this looks like. Luke chapter 4, Jesus tells us. What does personal grace going into the world look like? Well, Jesus said what it looked like for him. You there, Luke 4? Okay, watch this. Now, Context, context is important here. Where are we at? This is Jesus having just successfully endured 40 days of temptation from the devil, right? Launching his Galilean ministry. Now, what's important about the Galilean ministry is that's where he went to grab his first disciples from the Galilee, right? So he had not yet met, let's say, Peter and Andrew, and James, and John. He was on his way now, having successfully endured temptation, now to go to the Galilee to make his disciples. That's where we're at in his ministry. And he goes to this place on the way. It's kind of the southern part of the Galilee called Nazareth. Jesus was familiar with Nazareth. Look at verse 18. They asked him in temple to read. 
Read from the Torah, the scrolls, the scriptures. And this is where verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he said, today this is fulfilled in your presence. Here's what it looks like when grace has a personal touch. See, what Jesus was saying is, this is what I came. I'm going to extend my grace through ministering to people who are broken, who are in need, whose lives are not perfect. And you see, he was talking a lot to to the Pharisees and to those who tried to think of themselves as having their life perfect. So the message was very upsetting to them. Hey, I got news for you. You're here at Crosspoint this morning, part of our worship experience. This may be new for you. You're not perfect. (laughs) Did that surprise anyone? (gasps) I'm not? No, you you probably mess up as much as I do, and that's a lot. You probably find that you really struggle with some things in life. And you make some mistakes. There are some of us here who are poor. Poor in spirit. Poor emotionally. Drained. Empty. There are some who are broken hearted. Life has been difficult for you recently. And your heart's broken. You're just literally holding the pieces together. Some of us in this room are captive. Taken bondage, restricted by maybe our own choices. Maybe by sin. Maybe by something in the world that's unjust or not fair. And there's just no way out of it. All these things that we encounter leave us hopeless. Leave us very aware of our own weaknesses, our own failures. Hey, that's who we are. You want to worship God this morning? It starts right here. Admit your own weaknesses humbly before God. You are full of them. What grace is all about is that we can still come to God in spite of all of our weaknesses and our brokenness and our insufficiencies that we don't have it together. And we can come and God still provides a way through his son that accepts us that helps us, that takes us wherever we are and leads us one step better and then the next and the next. That's grace. Wherever you are, God meets you. Wherever grace is working in your life, like Jesus, you meet someone else who is in need. I want to show you this. The personal touch of grace means this. As disciples, we must interact with brokenhearted people with people who are in need of God's grace. You see, this is what Jesus said he's going to do, and this is what he said is for us to do. A little later on, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 4. A little bit later on, Jesus actually meets some of these would-be disciples of his. Right? He comes and he first meets Peter, In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, now this is a little abbreviated, right? Sometimes we just get the, the, the nutshell story of Scripture. Here it is. Jesus is now going to make disciples. But he's making disciples of those that he's also going to send to make other disciples. Watch what he says, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me, 
You see, a disciple is one who follows Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who says, I'm going to learn to become like him. He gives and offers grace to me. I need grace. Grace means God accepts me and forgives me of sin through Jesus Christ and his death. That's good. I need that. I can come broken. I can come in my failure and my weakness. And I come to Jesus, but now in that grace, I learn I can also follow him. I can also become part of his way. I can learn to be more like him. Jesus said, follow me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Say what I say. Watch me. Look what he says. Read the rest of the sentence. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see? If you have been someone who has received God's grace this morning, somewhere in your life, he's given you something you don't deserve. I would say by being here this morning, all of us have something we don't deserve. Eternal life and forgiveness of sin is something we don't deserve. God being good to us, caring about us, helping us in life, something we don't deserve. Wherever God's doing that in your life, you see what what he's saying is, follow me, experience that grace, and as you do, you, you experience me. What I can do in your life, as you do, you become the one who takes that grace and casts it out like bait, fishing for other people who need that grace. You see, guys, this defines what discipleship is. We don't have the right to reconfigure what we mean by disciple and say, well, it really means going through these classes or this program or doing this or doing that. Jesus told us what it means. Make them followers of me. And as they follow me, they learn to extend the very same grace that I've given them to others to help them grow so that when they experience that grace, they can extend that to others and help them grow. And that's how the kingdom of God is built. That's the core mission of the church. That's what it means for each one of us personally to do. Now I need two volunteers this morning. Two volunteers. Quickly, if you come up, just run right up here. I need two. Okay, come on. Come on up, Mike. Okay, we got two. All right. If you guys would come right up here. Now, you're perfectly fine. Now, because we don't want to be sexist, we're going to say that you represent Jesus today. Okay? Okay. That means I'm nice. You're the lady version of Jesus. We know none of us could actually be Jesus, so you're going to represent him in this. So, So you hold, you need to let go for a second, brother. Okay, you hold on to grace. Good, hold on, it's right there. All right. Jesus is the one who gives grace. Grace comes from his death on the cross and offer for us to respond and it comes flooding into our life. Now, tell me your name again. Alex. Alex, you need somewhere in your life, you found out it doesn't work, you need God. And so you've, Jesus has extended to you grace. Now hold out this handle to him. So you can hold that handle. You can touch it now. Yeah, good. you have permission. <laughs> you gotta have permission to receive grace around here, right? That doesn't even make sense. Okay, so now... Now, you guys are too hard on me in these illustrations. It's not easy, you know. All right, now we have grace being offered from the Lord to a disciple. This would be Peter or Andrew in this example. I need that grace. Now, Jesus says, follow me. So you got to follow. Now, everywhere, okay, stop. Just pretend they're, they're going to keep going, but we're going to run out of room here. They're walking. He's, Alex is following the Lord. That's where he gets his grace from. And as he does, he looks, he sees Jim over here that he knows Jim in his life from something. And Jim has sin or is broken or is, or is you know, he just has been beaten up by life. And he, he's poor in spirit, down. 
And because this grace is so good, Alex is able to call to Jim and say, you know what, I have this grace. Come. But here's what I want to show you. That's the potential. On his way to hell, lost forever. But because Alex can offer grace, there's a potential here, he might receive forgiveness and everlasting life. That's what's at stake. But Alex could choose. Okay, so Alex, let go again of grace. You could just, yeah, hold on. Now, I know. Now just walk this way. Now just, okay, stop right there. Alex could choose not to follow Jesus in his life. He's known grace. He's accepted grace. He's been changed by grace. But today he decides, I just want to live my life the way I want to live my life. Following Jesus isn't always convenient. It's not always easy, so I'm going to go over here. What just happened to grace? He lost its influence. Is he ever out of the reach of grace? No, absolutely not. Does he ever lose his salvation? No! Please. We're saved by grace. Our salvation is maintained by grace. But... If we stop following Jesus in grace with our everyday life, we lose our ability to influence others with the gospel. We have nothing to offer. Right? And so, so he might call out to Roger, and Roger's experiencing a need too, and he might call out to Roger, but he's not being seasoned with salt anymore. There's no grace. And Roger says, what would I want to have anything to do with that? I don't want any part of that. What are you talking about? That looks like religion. That's legalism. That's flesh. That has no hope. They're not drawn to that. It doesn't season. It doesn't smell like the aroma of tri-tip. It smells like garbage. Our own life. So you see, it's really important. Now let's come back on over here because we want to end on a good note. And, and you're back in walking now. You see, you've got to go where Jesus goes to stay with him, to make disciples. And as you're growing and following Jesus, now, now call out to Jim. Jim, come on up here for a sec. Now Jim can come and, and also experience grace. And now, the, look what just happened. The kingdom of God grew threefold. Hey, that's how God chooses to do it right there. That's his method. That's our process. Right, give him a hand. Good, good helper. Thank you so much. You guys did awesome. Good job. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. God's grace. There it is, available for all of us. And as we follow him, he makes us fishers of men. You see, your personal touch is your own fishing, your own rubbing lives with people and drawing them in to God's grace. There's something else I want to show you. Say, I don't know how to do that. It's too complicated. I've never known how to say just the right words. Can I help you out with that? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we learn something very important about this ability to share God's grace with others. This remarkable opportunity that we have. Now, it comes from following Jesus. We know that's true. But even when you're following Jesus, it's a little bit intimidating, isn't it? Come on, be honest, church. It's not intimidating? Okay, how many times did you share Jesus Christ with somebody this week? How many shared five times with somebody this week to, to, to pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Anyone? Okay, then I think it might be a little intimidating for some of us. Otherwise, we'd be doing it all the time. Right? It's, it's not always easy. It's hard. Here's what you learn. Jesus gave us his power to do it. Acts chapter 1, 
when Jesus now has been crucified, raised from the dead, is now ascending to go be with the Father in heaven. He says in verse 8, but you shall receive power, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember he told them to wait there for Pentecost? Those who were followers of Jesus would receive the Holy Spirit of God that would fall from heaven and literally fill them. All of us who follow Jesus Christ, who have trusted, listen, stay with me, stay with me. You have been filled with the Spirit now. This was the birth of the church, so they didn't have it yet. He was saying, hold on, don't do anything, don't even try it, just wait right there. You need something very important, it's called the power that I'm going to give you. Now, what is that power to be used? Why is he giving us that power? What do I need to wait for that power to do? Look what he says. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look at that. You see what he says? The power comes to enable you to be a witness. Right? To share the grace You have been called by Jesus Christ to be a follower of his, to catch fish, to catch men with the grace of God. And not only that, he's empowered you to be able to do it with his own supernatural ability. Guys, he's given us everything he could possibly give us. What are we doing? What are we doing with our life? Your life is is a personal conduit for God's grace to touch others that you know. Oh, that sounds so good. I might even write that down if I were you. I could make a book with that. Your life's a personal conduit, a channel, a way for God to reach people with his grace through you as you follow Jesus. It happens through a personal touch. It has to start every single one of us personally touching others. But then there's also the church experience. Not only do we do that with our own personal lives as we touch people, but we get to do that together as a church. Now, to make it more exciting, to make it a little bit easier, and to make it more powerful, God has allowed us to do it together. Together. The church process starts with grace. The entry point to everyone becoming a disciple is coming to God through grace, through Jesus Christ. And listen, we have a place in our church where we invite people to do that. It's called Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning experience, here it is. You're in it. You're part of it right now. This is the number one primary entry point to the church process. What does that mean? That means that anybody that you know or relate to or are fishing for with the grace of God, you can always bring them, you can always invite them, you can always include them to the very first step to the Sunday morning experience where they learn what grace is and see it up on the front stage. It it gets no clearer in life than right here today. It may be that you share Jesus Christ with them personally and witness to them. They may even pray to surrender and and trust Christ as their Savior. Right there in your workplace, your living room, the parking lot, wherever you are. The very next thing to do is to bring them right here. 
This is the entry point. Does every person have to come to Cross Point Community Church in order to grow and to be a follower of Jesus Christ? No. But do they have to come to some church context of the body of Christ? Do like this. Yes. Yes. You see, that person that needs grace will never be able to go from grace to grow without a church. I want you, is that really true? Is it, see, that's not me as a leader of a church trying to make my church something everybody should be part of. That's the plan of God. That is the great gift of God that he's given to this world right now, the church. All of the redeemed, all of those who have received grace and know grace and live in grace, to gather together with a cooperative effort using our gifts and different experiences and community that we share to grow together to become goers of the gospel. This is the entry point. If you don't know how to share the gospel with somebody, I'm saying this morning, that's okay. Just bring them here. You don't know how to make a disciple, that's okay. Just bring them right here. This is like safety. This is training wheels. This is where you learn. This is how they enter the church process that will lead them to grow and then to go as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. It's got to be, you see, folks, as a church, if we don't all agree on the same focus, if we're not all working together to go the same direction, then we're pulling apart in a lot of different directions, and when a visitor comes, they're confused. What does this church really stand for? What are they really doing? They got 50,000 different programs. I don't know. What, that's overwhelming to me. But if they come and they go, it's all about grace. It's all about making disciples. We're going to help you to grow. That's easy. I can understand that. That makes it really important. It's central to everything we do. That's the church experience. By the way, you see that in Acts as the church unfolds. It's born in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. After they received the Spirit of God, and now they're being witnesses, just like Jesus told them to, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls experienced grace, God's grace. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. They began to grow together. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. You see where the first church really learned to make disciples and to help people to grow? It was in the temple and then from house to house. The temple was their worship place. It was their quote-unquote Sunday morning experience. And then they developed in small groups and learned how to grow. We're going to talk more about that next week. Here's the point. This Sunday morning experience is a place where everyone we know should come and be able to experience God's grace. Right here. This is God's living room of grace. This is his trophy of grace. This is where even if you're not very successful on your own for some reason, right here 
we have all kinds of backup. We have all kinds of help. It magnifies and makes larger God's grace when we're all together. It's like the megaphone. That God is good. And he loves you and accepts you right where you are. And draws you through Jesus Christ to become better and better as you grow. That's what this is all about. That's what our church process is about. Here's what it looks like. Okay? Here's what it looks like. What do we, two things. What do, what do we need to remember about our Sunday morning experience? First, first thing is this. Expect regular people. The church gets so messed up today, guys. When we try to make church so high and lofty, so regimented, ritualized. Hey, you know why we do that, by the way? It's history of man. Everybody knows this that studies mankind and human nature. We like to put things into ritual because it's easier to do than the real thing. If I can look like I have it all together, if I can look like I obey the laws of God perfectly by saying these things and, and these, this easy thing that I can tote around and show you that I'm walking with God and expect you to do the same, that's so much easier than a daily walk abiding in him and obeying his word and sharing my faith. See, the real thing sometimes gets messy. You don't know why we're so surprised about that. Follow Jesus' life. His ministry. He was in the mess of the world. He was, you know, they were so hacked off at him. What are you doing talking to her? Don't you know who she is? Hold on. Do you realize how anti-grace that perspective is? Do you realize who she is? Oh, so that means that grace doesn't accept people where they are. It demands that people clean up and look godly and be perfect first. And then it extends God's goodness. That's not what grace is. Jesus is saying, that's not why I came. I didn't came for the healthy. We need to expect regular people to be here. That changes the way we put together our Sunday experience. That changes our perspective, what we plan to do when we get here. Regular people. Do you remember? I just want to read it to you again. Let's just, just a review. Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. Remember what he said in uh, Luke chapter 4 was? Yeah, listen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captive. Sight to the blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed. I just want you to think about what that looks like today. What sort of people, what does it look like in their life when they are poor? Not just monetarily, not just financially. Down and out, brokenhearted, captive, in bondage, blind. They don't see, they don't know the truth. What does it look like when people are like that? Hey, listen, if that's what people look like that Jesus said we're, we take grace to, if that's what he was doing, taking grace, then any Sunday morning experience should be filled with people who are experiencing the brokenheartedness of life, the bondage of their own sin, the mistakes and consequences of their own blindness. Regular people. 
Julie and I are very intentional to try to witness to everybody that God puts in our life. Julie has a friend, someone in the community that she's gotten to know who doesn't go to church. And we've been inviting her to try to bring her to this Sunday experience to expose her to God's grace. And she's getting ready to, you know, I don't know if she's listening on the radio today. If you are, God bless you. Come visit us, sister. But listen, she was ready to come, almost going to come, and then she backed out at the last minute and she told Julie, I don't know if they would accept me because I have a tattoo. That's what she said. And that prevented her from coming. Now, we know the truth. We know that this is a church of God's grace. And I don't even know what having a tattoo has to do with anything, but in, in her mind, it must be associated with something that people would look down on. Measure her up against in life. And she has that perception, I don't know, probably because of other churches, who knows. Maybe it's her own thinking. But that's a regular person. I showed her my tattoo and said, well, if the pastor has one, I think you're okay. (laughs) I earned mine with blood. All right. Listen. That's a regular person who probably has something in her life that she hasn't figured out yet. She hasn't experienced God's peace and joy. Could this be the entry point for her? Could this be the open door, the welcome mat? Could this be the place where she first learns to enjoy and receive God's grace? Are we ready for regular people? Are we bringing regular people in our lives? This is the entry point. This is the place. It doesn't only start here, but this is the one that's easiest, that we do it all together, okay? Well, that's what it looks like. Be ready for regular people. I have this statement. Chaplain Jim's helping me. We're thinking about putting it up on the side of the building. I don't know if there's going to be a, a revolt if we do that or not, but just in big flashing lights. Here's what we want you to know, and here's what we want every person driving by to know about what God's doing here. Write this down. Cross point is a place where it's okay to not be okay. Amen? Amen. Crosspoint is a place where it's okay. It's acceptable to come and to be part even though you're not okay. You're hurting. You're broken. You're confused. You're trapped. Shouldn't this be the place where people come and say, you know what, we love you in spite of that. We love you genuinely with this love that makes no sense to the rest of the world. This love that reaches to the very core and heartbeat of who you are as a person. That comes directly from the throne of grace through me that I've received right to you. Shouldn't this be the place where it's okay to not be okay? Hey, we hope you don't stay there. We hope you grow and get better. But this is the place where you come. This is the place where they should come. And then what we do is we all learn to grace together. I came up with a new word this week. Well, it's a new use for an old word. Okay? We were ta- I was teaching this to some people in the church, and we were just having a discussion about what, what would it look like if this person came, and there was actually somebody 
we were hoping that would come on Sunday. And, and we thought, well, what are we going to do? And, and, and I just came to my mind and popped out. I said, let's all grace him together. It doesn't make sense grammatically, right? How do you grace somebody? Is grace a verb? Well, actually, it could be, right? What does grace look like when it goes, is extended from a person who has grace, who received grace, to give it to somebody else? What does that look like? That's what I'm calling gracing. We can grace people together. We can extend love and acceptance to the person who's hurting who doesn't have it all together. We can offer hope through Jesus Christ through our own personal testimony of how God has made us better in some areas. We can view others not through legalism, not through critical judgmental eyes, but no matter where they are, no matter what's going on in their life, that we are no better and that we together are dependent upon God's daily grace. When we communicate that to people, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, they're going to get saved. They're going to trust Christ. They're going to become disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what the heart of mankind is longing for. So what do we do to grace them together? Well, Sunday's that place where we open up our doors, where we make everybody feel welcome, where we put our excellent foot forward. Not legalistically, but the things that we do, we try to do really well on Sunday morning. Right? When we offer a nursery and children ministry, we try to make it the best nursery and the safest and, and the funnest for kids where they learn a lot and, and walk away changed as we could possibly do. It's our CPK, children's ministry, at Cross Point Church. It's our goal to be the best, most dynamic, exciting, attractive children's ministry in all of Northern California. And that's not just saying that flippantly. That's really our goal. Because that helps us. If this is the entry point of grace, let's dress it up. Let's roll out the welcome mat. Let's do what we do well. Every single person who's a part of Cross Point Community Church should be, when you get here and when you're leaving, looking around for the person that you don't recognize, that you don't know, that looks like they're hurting, who needs grace, and reach out. If you guys are waiting for me to do it all, we're going to be a small church. And the kingdom isn't going to grow very fast. I'm doing my part. In fact, I'm doing my part and most of yours. Ooh. Ouch. When was the last time you, right here in this building, reached out and took somebody's hand and said, God loves you. I'm so glad you're here. Would you tell me about your week? What's going on? Can I encourage you? Welcome this morning to Cross Point Community Church. God is doing great things in my life and in this church, and we would love it if you could be a part. Folks, that's not hard to say. Is it sincere? That's the, that's the point. Do we reach out and make them feel welcome? We're going to be adding to our welcome team. We're going to have the biggest force of presentation that welcomes people on the planet at our church. So that they get out of the car, and by the time they make it from the car to their seat, they've had five interactions with people that have said, we're glad that you're here. Is there anything we can do for you today? Would you come back? Can we, can we minister to you? Connect with people. That's your job. 
No, that's the pastor's job. No, you better read Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 all over again. God gave some pastors and teachers to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry that the church might be edified. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to help you. Is that why you're here on Sundays? I mean, we're all here to worship God. But do you understand, if you come here to worship God and pass by three guests and visitors and five people who are hurting and lonely, and you just make your way right to your seat and sit down, I'm, I'm kind of questioning what kind of worship is going on there. What God are you worshiping? Because i got news for you. The one we're all here supposed to be worshiping only allows you to be here because of grace. And he has told you, as the number one job description in your life, you are to be a witness and to share that grace with others. So what better way to worship than to come bring it before him and say, God, the very best I can, I'm going to share this love and this grace with everybody I know who needs it. That's worship. That's worship. Does it feel a little hot in here? Does that feel like a little uncomfortable? Are you shifting your seat going, wow, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church like that. My friend, you do. Trust me, you do. Not only that, when you do that and become part of a church like that, the blessings are incredible. The work that God does is unexplainable. And people's lives really begin to transform and change. It all starts with grace. Grace is the entry point to our process of making disciples. And it starts with each one of us personally and then at this entry point right here on Sunday mornings when we gather together. And the question is, where do you fit? Where's your place in that? Personal touch, Sunday morning, wherever else you are serving, Where is God's grace really meaning something in your life? This unmerited favor that he's given you. This wonderful, rich goodness that comes from walking with him in life. Where is that spilling over into people in your life? Where are you making that connection? Building that bridge. Proclaiming it giving it with the purpose of making disciples, fishing for men. Where do you fit? And I'm going to ask you all, all of us, me included, to respond to what you've heard from God this morning. Just where do I fit and what do I need to do, God? I want to be part of that. Would you do that with me? Would every head bowed, everybody close their eyes just for a moment, we're going to pray together, okay? Just going to get before God together as a church and pray. Let's begin with grace. Father, thank you for grace. And I personally am guilty of my sin. And I would be separated for eternity. Except for this morning, I, I understand that you've offered forgiveness. Jesus, your son, died on the cross and paid the price for my sin so that I can be brought back to you and made whole and forgiven. 
And this morning, by faith, I choose to put my trust in Jesus to be his disciple, his death for my sins. And we are disciples praying, God, as you've given me grace, how can I show it? Where, where, where in my life can I give that grace? Can I give it away? Can I share it? Can I witness and testify? Where can I draw people to this entry point and bring them Sunday to experience your grace? How can I do that, God? Help me to commit to this personal touch and church experience. If God's speaking to your heart and you want to respond, I invite you to do that. You might respond just by praying right where you're seated. You might want to come forward and spend some time at the altar, maybe kneeling or sitting or standing. Whatever God lays on your heart, just feel free to respond to God. Yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. I want to follow you. As I follow you, Lord, make me a fisher of men somebody who's hurting somebody who's lonely scared oh God that I would be faithful to cast into their life with grace and point to you Lord Jesus and all that you've done for me that you would do that and more in their life working in our midst, folks. God's working.
speaking to your heart or you want to come and respond or share with me or pray. Let's let God do what God can do. Thank you for moving in our midst today, Holy Spirit, leading us, teaching us, and helping us. We commit to you as a body of Christ that we will be witnesses to your grace. That's why we'll be here, to help, to serve, to give, to make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. God's grace. Thank you guys, church, guests, and visitors for being part today. I pray that this is meaningful to you, that that we literally get together and say, let's do this make disciples thing in the power of God together. Let's do that. Okay, we're going to have a time of, of offering. If the ushers would come forward at this time that you can give, we ask you to respond on the card. Hey, guess what? Someone prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior this morning right here in this grace event. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. And we get together with this forgiven saint who's experienced grace, and we give back to God and say thank you. So if you're grateful to God this morning or you want to respond to him, put your chat card in there. I'm going to ask you to be faithful to tithes and offerings as we give unto the Lord from that which he's given us by faith and trust him to do more grace with what we give him. Who's going to pray? Chuck, would you lead us in prayer? Father, we come before you only because of your grace. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the hope we have for today and the future, and Lord, help us open our lives to those regular people who we are amongst who need your grace. And now we ask your blessing on what you've given to us to be stewards of, Lord, that we would return those things to you in faith and trust, that you would meet the needs of those here, uh, whatever they may be, Father, uh, materially, but most of all with your grace. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.